welcome to the NDA podcast. We're here to challenge topics the industry has been keeping under waiver for years. Unfiltered conversation with no fear of being cancelled. Bringing creatives of different levels, different backgrounds and very different opinions together. Debating the issues we only dare discuss over our Twitter DMs. So get ready for some honesty because we're about to break all the NDAs. Hi, everyone. So we've got a really interesting topic to chat about today, and I'm going to level with you all. It's been a love-hate episode for me. In the shadows of the NDA DMs, we've had lots of stories and opinions, but finding people who are willing and in a position to come on and talk about it has been really tricky. So I see today as the first episode on this subject, because I think it's an important one, So welcome to NDA. This week's episode is Salary Secrecy and Lies. On to these lovely people who are up for chatting about money with us today. So they're all coming from three really different viewpoints, different experiences, different futures. So can't wait to hear from them. I'm going to pipe down, let them introduce themselves and a little bit about where they stand on keeping quiet about money. Hi, I'm Malik Dudson. I'm the founder of Intern, which is a platform that seeks to empower young creative people. And I guess my overarching take on salary secrecy is that it holds young people back and it kind of promotes inequalities throughout the industry and makes it harder to access the industry. Hi, I'm Josie Young. I'm an independent designer. Um an art director, I guess, too. My kind of take on salary secrecy is that it can make people feel sort of shame and guilt around money um, and it sort of doesn't provide a very uh, supportive environment when it comes to talking about money and being able to have those hard conversations that everyone ends up having to have um, in the industry. I'm Kat. I'm a creative director and a founder of a company called a studio called How and How. Uh, my take is very similar to the other guys, actually. Um, I, I think that salary secrecy breeds uh, mistrust within a company and we're like very much against it. And we, 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 we promote absolute salary transparency. So I, I really want to see more of, more of it in the industry if we can. I'm Katie Cadwell. My pronouns are she, her. I am the equivalent of the news anchor, I guess, for today's episode. And as usual in this and all episodes, I aim to be impartial. Today, more than usual, I'll actually be acting as a bit of a mouthpiece for all the lovely folk that sent in my stories. So you will hear a bit more from me, but I'll be chatting on behalf of the NDA audience. So we're going to get right in at the deep end. I think it's really important to get a temperature check of the industry and how it stands at the moment before we talk about things that are wrong and how we want to improve. So Josie, I was hoping you could kick off with just like a bit of your experience in agency and what it's been like talking about salary, particularly with uh, with management and leadership. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's weird. I'm reflecting on my intro now and I said guilt and shame and I'm like, it's weird. I wonder why those words popped into my brain initially, but I wonder if it's just because they're those like gut stomach sort of feelings I've had in the past in experiences. I mean, now that I'm independent, I'm in control of all of that. And 
that they're not really the feelings I've got. But in the past, I worked at an agency where everyone's salaries were their own information shared with our employer um, and salary transparency wasn't encouraged at all. It just wasn't, not only was it not encouraged, it just it wasn't a thing. I didn't really know it was a thing until I kind of saw a conversation sort of happening about it on Twitter or whatever. You know, like I would have moments of time where I would be at sort of a level stage, I guess, um, as my colleague, but I would have this sort of like overwhelming anxiety about whether I was getting paid the same or not. And I just hated that that would come up, um, whether or not it was to do with the fact that I was a woman and they weren't, things like that would just crop up from time to time. And it would happen, especially around periods of busyness and depending on the workloads we had. Um, and then at one point, this was towards the end of my time there, um, there was a really interesting Google Sheets document going around on Twitter and whatnot. It was around trellancy. Tra- that's not a word. Salary transparency. Trellancy is the combination <laughs> of those words. Um, and people were just entering their sort of roles, where they were based in the world and what they were being paid. And it was a really interesting sort of insight into the the ranges of what what people were being paid, I guess, um, in comparison to, you know, those those classic websites like Pay Calculator and whatnot. Anyway, I shared it with my colleagues. I was like, hey, this is really interesting. Um, and I got an email from my boss not long after just saying, hey, like, can you not? I can't remember the exact words, so I'm not going to like quote it. And this isn't even really paraphrasing, but the general vibe of it was like, can you not do that? Like, that's private information between me and you guys individually. Um, yeah. And just the general sense was always like, that's private, but that was never clear whose private information it was, whether it was like ours as individual employees or whether it was like my employer's information. I think it's much more common than people think. So just to kind of add another story into that mix. I've got a design director who messaged, who said they were explicitly told that they're not allowed to discuss salaries, which is actually illegal. You can't write it into a contract. You can write a clause that says you can't discuss them during working hours, but you can't tell people that they're not allowed to discuss salary. Um, so, that, and I've heard that a lot in the DMs wow. is, that, is that actually they were told they, they can't. Fascinating. Oh, how interesting. I Because when another designer came on board who was the only other woman who I'd ever worked with at that agency, she came in at a bit of a younger level than me, but not really, like we were very much on par with each other. I just told her what I was on and what I'd been on in the past years um, and we were just transparent with each other about that and that felt so comfortable. It felt so normal to have that with her and we were just really good about each other sorry about that with each other. But yeah. And another thing that happened was at one point I, we had yearly salary reviews and I'd, I'd asked ahead of time if we could sort of negotiate my salary and, and my employer was not comfortable with it. He was like, Oh, sorry, but like, I put a lot of thought into this. Why would you need to negotiate it? And I just wanted, truly just wanted the experience of, of being able to have that negotiation. But yeah, that, 
it I, was I think that's a really good a really good point. I've got a couple of stories about that, so we're definitely gonna revisit. Um Alec, did you did you have something to add? As far as I'm aware in the UK, it is legally possible to insert a clause in people's contracts that um doesn't necessarily ban them from talking mm. about salary, but you can you can kind of punish people if they talk about salary outside of the business. Really? So if they disclose your salary or or the kind of makeup of that to external people, that can be that can then put you on like a uh, what you call it, like a disciplinary process. That's fine. It's not recommended, obviously, because people do not like those kind that kind of like draconian overall where it, it where it is illegal in the uk is under the equality act of 2010 where if people within the company are trying to work out amongst one another whether there are gender or other you know uh, protected characteristics based differences in people who are doing the same job then that you, you can't stop people having those conversations you can get really irked about it if you're a terrible person that discriminates against their workers but you can't if the, if that kind of process follows through you can't you've got no leg to stand on but you can include you can include clauses in contracts which kind of wow discourage people from mentioning anything externally that as an agency owner makes me feel like i'm really shocked by that actually because that and that i think does really need to change because just like Josie said you know people talk within agencies i mean with our agency we we foster um, I don't know, uh, collaborative people chatting, people being friends, people discussing stuff, um, hanging out after work. Um, so yeah, for us, transparency actually is a hard, like, almost like a hard value that we bake into the company. Uh, we have a, a tiered, very transparent salary system that we've pub just published this morning, actually. Um, so everyone can see, and again, referencing Josie's thing about um, whether it's being a woman as well that makes it... Um, uh, I think uh, it the gender pay gap uh, issue is is huge, particularly in creative agencies. And I think that this mitigates that. It means that everyone knows what everyone else is earning. Um, and I suppose, like thinking about it, if that's the way people think, then we sort of are like, well, we just want people who are cool with that in the agency. If they're not cool with that, then maybe they should be in another agency. But we want people to to be like, cool. You know, you go to the pub, you talk about, you you, you know that someone else is a mid are the same range as you so you have the same from the same salary you don't feel like there's any competition you know that just because there's a guy next to you is the same um tier as you he's going to get the same as you because you guys have got the same level of experience and to me that's that that feels like a no-brainer and it's like i don't there are issues with it obviously maybe people i don't know maybe it's maybe people like i said earlier don't want don't want everyone to know but actually if they're cool with it then that's that's great um and also, I suppose it's not just between men and women either and the gender pay gap. I think it's quite well documented that men tend to, because they ask for salaries, ask for pay rises more, tend to get them. I think what's interesting to hear from people is they don't actually know if they're allowed to. So it might not be explicitly told from the top. Um, but it's so I've heard a couple of things, just a couple of messages. I would, but maybe anonymously because I don't know if my studio would allow me or I would, but I am scared. There's a risk of being exposed to my employer. Um, so it feels like maybe it's not always explicit. It's kind of 
implied that you can't uh, talk about salary. Uh, but just just to move on a little bit from that idea of like management down secrecy, why is there secrecy amongst peers? Do you think why aren't we more open on our own on our own levels? I think it's quite interesting, Kat, what you were saying just then ties back to what I was saying before about my anxiety, having those moments of like, is he getting paid more than me? Like, I feel like how much that might play into individuals and their sort of ability to sort of be transparent or not. And whether um, either someone is worried that they are getting paid more than a colleague they really admire, or if they worry that they're not getting paid as much as a colleague that they think they're at the same level at. In my opinion, I feel like salary transparency not only like kind of puts employers in a position to obviously be very equal with salaries, but also it saves employees having to have those awkward conversations amongst themselves and kind of puts the onus on the employer. It's true. And I think what another way to mitigate it, I think we've, we're working this out as well when I was chatting to Kate to it. We are what making, we're a quite young company, um, but we're, we're sort of making up as we go along. But we realise that obviously within brackets of, um, uh, of, or tiers of experience, so we go from intern to junior to lower mid to, to upper mid, and we have quite sort of narrow tiers to make sure that we're able to plot people on those tiers. Uh, but imagine if you are also on the same tier as someone, but you feel like you've done a really, really like great job because obviously there's going to be flexibility within those tiers. You might have just smashed a project and done really well. Uh, so we we do appraisals every 12 weeks, which were really like very, very, like are a very big deal for us because they're an opportunity for us to talk to uh, team members and in each appraisal, in each appraisal, every team member is um, allowed to have or, or is eligible for 2% of their salary as a bonus. So technically, every uh, every year you could have you could earn 8% of your salary if you are if you've worked really hard. So that's quite incentivizing as well. So if you are on the same tier as someone and you're like, cool, that person's on like 50 grand and we're, I'm on 50 grand, but I've done a really good job, then there's always that incentive within that for flexibility. But if you also know okay, if I do work a bit harder and I want to get to that next tier, then this is where I've got to go. I think there's also a lot of secrecy around what, who the people, like how much people at the top earn as well in terms of, and that can be really demotivating as well as breeding mistrust if you can't see that. Yeah, I think on lots of levels, it can actually supercharge ambition, which I'm sure Alec would agree with me, and also be like less anxiety making as well for employees as well at the time. Yeah, I, th I think the, the the kind of the other thing um, to add there, Kat, is that often when it comes to kind of uh, that kind of the, the the secrecy or the opacity around what the the people at the top are earning, also in the in terms of the people moving up the rungs, there's often and it's not exclusive to the creative industry by any means, but they're as guilty as any other industry. It tends to get very male heavy very quickly as soon as you get past certain levels and all kinds of excuses are rolled out for that, uh, whether it's people leaving the workplace to start a family, taking some time off, having to come back in. Um, so I think like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really interested to see how this all shapes out for you guys. Um, it's, it's, it's really encouraging to see, I guess it kind of also it, for that culture to really, 
to kind of come full circle and to work, obviously the the kind of visibility of like more senior female members of staff. So, so I will publish my salary. My salary is published as well as my co-founder, my husband. So it's all up there for the world to see. And we also publish our yearly financials so that the whole company can see profit loss. And also that can make, I think, people see their wage is fair. I mean, we're, we're, we're working towards B Corp at the moment and transparency is a massive part of that. So it's it's really good to have that as North Star to be like, cool, okay, look, we've got nothing you know, to hide. We're not like skimming off loads of money from the top one, you know, like, so if it, I think it's really in the end, it's, it just encourages people to, to also see the agency as a team, as a family where like, cool, okay, we're all working together. I think, I think there is a, just, we, we put a poll out right on NDA and got about 300 responses. And the questions were, would you like to know what your peers earn? And 85% of people said yes. Um, and would you be happy to publish your own salary? And it dropped a little bit down to 75%. The kind of trend we saw is there were a lot more juniors that felt comfortable sharing their salary because they earn less. I guess they feel like they're all on about the, the same level. So when do we learn to gatekeep our salary at what point in in your career progression do you think you start hoarding that information well quite naturally like not when you're starting out right because your your issue in that situation is working out what on earth your value is and very few people if anyone are prepared to tell you as a part of their kind of um, conscious or unconscious means of gatekeeping so when you're making your way in the industry it's it's total guesswork you're reliant on other people furnishing you with that information i suppose um being the cynical old toad that i am i'd imagine you start to (laughs) start to want to be quieter about those figures when you feel maybe that you're getting paid an awful lot of money or like you know you've had a you've been bumped up you've had a raise you're sort of anything the money started kind of rolling in at last and it, it feels quite alien you know Josie's mentioned before like you know that this is pay will always be I imagine to some degree a source of workplace anxiety because we live in I'm going to try not to be too grim here but we live in times where like <laughs> second to second we're constantly comparing ourselves with others right wage is just another mm-hmm. tool in that kind of suite for us to like torture ourselves with so I th- I th- there'll always be that kind of um, inclination to compare and I suppose most albeit there's lots of people in the creative industries who don't fit this description most sent you know normal conscientious folk you don't want to necessarily go out there and sh- you know gloat to the world if if you're doing really well when you know that as, a, as an industry there are lots of people at the bottom rung who let's let's be honest still are working unpaid roles. That's really interesting. I think because the creative industries, we're almost, it's almost hardwired in us that we have to say we do it for the love of design and the love of creativity, which of course we do, but yeah. we still need to get paid. And I think money is a big, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big part of that, obviously. Um, and, but I think it's almost a little bit like to talk about money if you're a designer everyone's like well you know money in design is also another massive interesting kettle of fish which we won't go down but um even the whole you know uh, not being paid for stuff not being paid for an internship not being paid for like a, oh can you just whip me up a quick logo it's always something we're always always complaining about and so i think i agree i think the higher up you get as well you start to um gauge yourself against peers and almost feel oh gosh you know if that person 
maybe if they saw my salary, they'd think that I wasn't, you know, like man enough to ask for more or you, you, there's all sorts of, and we, we're creative mm. minds. So I think we always think creatively about how other people could perceive us. So I think that's a really interesting point. I think maybe another potential argument for transparency is around that kind of that wider issue of like, how do we value creative work? and all of the different jobs within any kind of agency or any kind of creative setup, because you've always got the kind of, and I hate to play to the male tropes, the kind of like rock star positions of creative director, this kind of this kind of, this bizarre idea that these individuals, that kind of madman trope, that these singular people are just these geniuses and all of the good stuff like comes through their kind of moment of magic, which of course, if you know, if you worked anywhere near the creative industries is, is rubbish. There's so many roles around that that support those projects that all play into that kind of team ethic, but broader than that, much broader than that, is this issue, and I'm, I'm sure we've all, pretty much everyone listening to this podcast episode will have experienced this, that even within the creative industry and certainly outside of it, people don't value creative work, anything like the way it should be valued. It, it's chronically undervalued. It's kind of regarded as this, you know, it's not real work, as a bit of a laugh, as something that bit of a doss about and I think partly because it's this kind of hard to measure abstract form of work partly because mm -hmm. it it contains uh, potential upsides as, as somebody doing the work that other jobs don't really have so I think there's an issue of potential jealousy there that you get to do all these you know great things you get to go to all these great places which you know happen infrequently for most of us anyway <laughs> um but yeah, that, that, that kind of wider narrative about creativity just being this kind of, which feeds into the idea that, you know, people don't get paid at the bottom of the of the ladder. And also that anyone who dares to be towards the top of the ladder is on outrageous money that they sure, you know, they can't possibly deserve. Whereas if you compare that to what, you know, people in, in other more kind of um, classic, formal or more accepted or, or longer running industries if you compare the salaries side by side i'm sure it's not like creatives are running away with a pot mm -hmm. of gold far from it but culturally i think globally we have a bit of an issue about feeling like you know we, we love to benefit from creativity we all, we're all glued to netflix and instagram 24 7 but we don't like to pay for it or we don't like to kind of consider it as as real work totally yeah. and i wonder how much this is potentially controversial throwing this in here I wonder how much we perpetuate that ourselves by sort of doing the whole sort of loving the work and and saying things like you know I'm working overtime and things like that and sort of calling work family and things like that like works in my opinion it's my opinion that works work like I leave work at work and I, it's something that I've had to absolutely just draw a line in over the past few years and it's really helped me see the value in it as a job and it, it's quite interesting then to look at those conversations from that sort of point of view of like it's very easy to sort of slip into devaluing and then seeing how people don't quite understand the value of creativity and design um and those roles because it's like oh we're here because we love it um yeah it's just like no we're here because it's work I think that's really interesting yeah. as well it's almost because it's quite difficult to make a career in design or art or at least that's what we're programmed to believe and with all the cuts to funding and art schools which is just absolutely tragic um I think that's really sad and I think because of that 
salary is almost like you don't really want to talk about it because you're just grateful that you've got a job as a designer in the first place, you know, and you're like, well, at least I'm making mm-hmm. money and I can, you know, even afford to have a mortgage and buy a house with it. This is great. I'm sort of doing what I love. And, um, and so, you know, it doesn't really mean that and men like, I suppose, salary can be a bit of an afterthought and it shouldn't really be at all. You know, creative industries, like uh, particularly in England, are a massive, like bringing in a lot of, of money into the economy. And I think um, it's such a shame that it's not um, valued as much. But I think in terms of the transparency thing, I, I do personally put it completely on agency bosses and management. I think it's the total, like, it's their responsibility to make sure that people uh, get the pay they deserve. It's their responsibility to talk to people, uh, to, to people who are managing designers and and actually put people forward for promotions before they, they even ask for them or even before they expect them. I'm going to counter that and chat about it from the opposite side. So let's talk about it from the employer's point of view, why they benefit from, from let's call it sal- salary opaqueness. Uh, why, do they, why do they benefit? So I've got a story which I thought was really interesting Me and another girl joined at the same time and were both convinced the whole time that the other was paid more. We finally left and shared our salaries. They were exactly the same, uh, but the entire time it kind of drove us and there was like a competitiveness and they thought that maybe it had made the work better. Oh, Really? How how do they feel during that though? That would be interesting. Because do they go home stressed? They, do they stay awake at night staring at the ceiling being like, oh, my God, you know, perhaps their work was better. But at what cost? I would counter. <laughs> but it's a really interesting mm. point. Well, they, 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 they both left the yeah, company, didn't interesting. they? Yeah, interesting. So it yeah, kind of been, you know, been the perfect job. But there's, there is an argument that it drives, that it drives wages up. What, the, the, the not disclosing salary or that disclosing salary does? I would say maybe not disclosing because people are negotiating and pushing and always trying to earn more than the person next to them without the knowledge of what that actually is. Um, I think I think more commonly people are of the opinion that salary secrecy keeps wages down. I suppose because if yeah if you don't know what people are earning then you're mm. kind of you're less inclined to kind of push up. You can keep everyone within the company. At a lower rate because they're not looking across the office and seeing somebody pay more than them. Um, something interesting, hopefully. Um, in the UK, there is, uh, from the empl- if we're staying with the employer's point of view, there is no law kind of bars you from or says that you have to uh, request your your new hire's previous salary. Okay, so it, it, it's relatively common in, across different industries, relatively common to go, oh, oh what, were you, what were you on? Mm. And that's a great way to just keep people at their level. Yeah. Now, in an ideal world, uh, you know, we often see like there's advertised a range or there's, you know, that, that's the most typical. If people do, and this is a, a whole other issue about when people post jobs, do they post the rate? And like, we could, maybe that's another story for another day. And it's one that I could really... Get, my, <laughs> get quite cross about but when they when they advertise a range that's fine the 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 next part in that dynamic then typically is to go okay so what's your expectation or what are you on in your previous job and, and obviously worse for you is if they say what you want because that's an excuse to then keep you at that rate now interestingly at the minute in the us and this has been the case for at least a couple of years a number of states have outlawed 
asking new hires what their previous salary was. You can't do it. Mm. So it, it, it then potentially is 21, I think, at the minute, who, um, and I've got a link somewhere that I can, I can share. Maybe we can share in the notes of like a list of states, if anyone's interested, mm. where that's yeah. prohibited. And what they've generally found is that there is the expected things happen. It means greater, more diversity in hires. It means more women, more people of color, more queer people are finding their way into roles that they perhaps might not have done before because it starts to eradicate historical pay uh, discrimination. So if you've, if you've grown up all your life and you've been given the rough end of the stick, if you're in an environment where you have to keep telling people or you encourage to keep telling people what you have previously on, it keeps you earning at a lower rate than your likely white male straight contemporaries. I would argue, I would counter that, and I've got a story to kind of back up what you're saying, Alec, or actually backs up the opposite. So that's kind of interesting is salary transparency could stop people from moving diagonally. I think a lot of people when asked that question, what have you been on? Lie. Um, so I've got a story in the DMs. Moving to my new role, I've given myself a really big pay rise, which no doubt would have taken a good two or three years to have achieved based on how my wage was increasing over time. This isn't uncommon and a big reason why I think people move around and keep their salary under their hats. So if, for example, Kat, you'd published everyone's salaries and then someone came to their natural end, I'm sure people don't want to leave, but someone came to the natural end of wanting to, to work with you, they then can't make a, a big diagonal jump in their salary when they move across to another agency because their salary is out there for, for the world to see. Mm. That's interesting. interesting. But I wonder, I don't, I mean, I've been asked <laughs> for, uh, I've been asked, when I was asked for a reference for someone, I was asked as an, an employee uh, what that person's salary was. And I actually said that it was illegal. I, re I remember writing back and saying it was illegal. I didn't actually know if it was illegal but it felt like it should be illegal because again it's um I <laughs> yeah, was just like gross. I can't tell you that and also I do um I do actually agree with Alec because I think that um yeah I think it's really interesting that when you're in a job no one wants to tell you uh like about the money or the salary or like how, but then when you leave that job suddenly the new person wants to know all about it. I don't know I think uh I I agree agree about the it being um what we do to counter that i suppose is that we try and keep our rates really competitive and our salary is really competitive within the industry so we always have like we have a table of stuff where we're always assessing and we actually work with a few recruiters to make sure that we're, we're able to know like what the benchmark is for salary from base salaries for each position we have so if someone wanted to make that leap it wouldn't be mm. too dramatically different because it's all like tethered towards um you know industry mm. standards anyway uh, Josie, would you would you use that as a tactic, moving across diagonally to a to another agency, and adding a couple of grand onto your your last salary to help negotiate uh, a, a higher rate? I mean, I haven't. I've had situations where I have been asked that, but I've I've told them the real amount, but told them also what I'm looking for. But I also applaud people who are just who use that tactic to kind of like make the most of the situation because it's because of the way it is out there. Like it's it's so hard to sort of get ahead. I think that's a pretty fair tactic, and you know you've got to sort of find the the plot holes in the rules where you can. Um, in terms of sort of like I guess the reasoning for employers having salary opacity. 
Look, I can see both sides of the coin because I it's just a difficult conversation. I'm about transparency, but it is it's difficult to navigate because obviously it's not been done on a large scale before. Um, so there's no sort of play play by play on how to do it perfectly. Mm. I think what Alex said mm. earlier as well about knowing value and about kids uh, or interns start or juniors starting out is one thing that I found was, was chronically und, not taught at uh, art school and I went to uh, I went to, even when I left St Martin's it was none of us knew like what a day rate was which I thought was mad and I think that we do need more business advice and like once you know your worth when you leave uni and you know how much like your value is and like value you know uh, it sounds very commercial, but like it's a commercial art, isn't it? Um, I think that will really help because you start talking about money straight away and then you start to just expect that from your employers as well. And uh, I think it does begin then. And I think when we left, we just had no idea. Like we knew how to talk about like really highbrow concepts, but like we didn't know what like, yeah, like I said, what a day rate was, an hourly rate, how much we should charge for a logo if we were wanting to be like a freelancer. It was... Um, so I do think I feel like Alex yeah, got a lot yeah. of a lot of insight on this and a lot <laughs> a lot of opinion. To try and not go onto a, a rant that could become an episode in itself, I suppose. Usually when I so I I do I do bits of this um, less so now, um, but I do bits of this with university students and almost without fail, if they're design students and I ask them how much for a logo, the, the most typical fee I get back is fifty pounds. So that's that's what you're really dealing with and, and how it generally works is if nobody gives you any kind of information, then you, you're basically charging for stuff based on, certainly if you're British, the largest amount that you can bear saying to a stranger without feeling incredibly guilty because we're mm. reared to believe that creativity is effectively like a dot around anyway, those figures are always appallingly low um so yeah i mean like absolutely ed education plays a part there'd be a lot less uh it, it, it's awful that you know midway through your career your to, to your to your kind of listeners uh, point katie about like the diagonal moves why are people making them probably because they're in an environment where they feel that other people are getting paid mm. more than them or you know sometimes you might just move for you want a new creative challenge it might be that there are various things about your current workplace that you're not super jazzed about, and one of them may be wage. So, of course, you'd naturally expect that. Uh, Kat made a point earlier that, like, creative people are creative in, like, lots of parts of their lives, not just the work that they create. So it shouldn't be surprising at all to see people, you know, you can only play the game that's ahead of you. And unfortunately for a lot of people in the creative industry and wider, the game's rigged. So you have to bring imagination to the table. And if there's an opportunity yeah. there to level up with a bit of like guile, of course you're going to do it. My, my favorite anecdote on this is um, a person I met and I'm going to try and, I, make, I used to make the mistake of making it far too obvious who this person was, but a person I met once <laughs> went for a job as creative director at a, at a small agency. Uh, they knew that the agency was quite desperate and they needed somebody quite quickly. He went to the interview. They asked when he could start and what was his salary expectation. He said, I can start on, I don't know, Monday next week. But if you want to talk money, you need to talk to my agent. This person does not, did not have an agent. He went to a uh, infamous weekend long nightclub 
um, on the on the Saturday night, uh, und, under the influence of multiple um, stimulants. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's it's a favourite for a reason. Um, asked a total stranger who who they had got talking to if they wouldn't mind just like pretending to be an agent on a phone call. Told them an absolutely outrageous amount of money in, in the context of the position. Uh, the person was like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" Sure enough, the the agency called the person. The person goes, "No, they'll only work for this. There is no negotiation. Take it or leave it." In the time that they worked at that agency, which to my knowledge was two, two and a half years, they were paid more than two of the founders. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, how desperate well, again, are we to be paid well? <laughs> but, 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 but this is it. It's like if, if, where, where those opportunities exist, you can't expect creative people to not mm. find a creative means of bearing themselves. But again, like if this it, it, in a in a in some kind of uh, heaven-like scenario where everyone's doing what Kat's doing, you start to wonder, well, is that desperation there? No, probably not. If there is, if there is a kind of what feels like a far more equitable, fair, uh, you know, rise through the company that you're in, if you don't feel hard done by, if you enjoy the workplace, you enjoy the work that you do, you've got a real sense of camaraderie with your team, what why do you want to move? And I think a lot of a lot of my issue around the attitude that creative companies have when it comes to, particularly with young people, because that's like the, you know, that's my battle. But you know, throughout the industry, is why don't you want people to stick around with you? Because if you just treated them with like a bit more respect and compassion, and stop trying to kind of do things on the dirty to them behind their back, then maybe people wouldn't move around so much. It's great to kind of make those diagonal moves. But at what cost in terms of your your ongoing stress and how it affects your ability to work? So, sorry that was longer than I intended it to be. But no, no, it's it's shorter great. Than it could have been. I just um, no, it was, it's really good and it's it's really interesting and it's led me on to uh, something I really wanted to ask you all about, which is there was a, a really interesting thread on Twitter uh, with Johnson Banks. I'm sure they wouldn't mind me mentioning them by name. Lovely agency, does some really great work, kind of renowned for working with charities, not-for-profits, arts organisations. And um, although the dialogue around it was a little bit tense and um, pretty passionate, I thought one of the really interesting arguments to come out with it is we can't compete. Our salaries do not compete with the massive agencies that are working in fintech and are working across Southeast Asia. Um, so that's the reason why we're not super transparent because we still want the talent, but we can't um, we can't match what those uh, agencies are are offering. Um, I would counter that <laughs> as a as an agency owner because we do uh, work with uh, lots of tech clients. But in order to, which, which obviously pays the bills, I mean, everyone in tech has got the, the cash, but obviously the jobs themselves aren't massively rewarding. But I would say that it's just about strategy from an agency perspective. And I think if you want to do charity work, like for, for us, we try and splice uh, pro bono or like like break even jobs amongst fintech and tech jobs so that we can still offer competitive rates to our designers but still do jobs with purpose uh which have impact it doesn't it means we can't do more but we we but that way you can still do charity do some charity work um and do some tech work obviously like 
I, I do also see their point, which is like that if you do lots of charity work, then and, and that's your entire gamut, then it, it probably gets more problematical. They can't offer the same. But there are ways you can be creative with certain jobs that you do and then doing other work that is still has, you know, does is still for good as well. It's a tricky balance. Like one of the conversations I had with my old boss around salary, it was when I let him know I was interviewing for another job um, that was, you know, that had its salary attached to the job application. It was a lot more than I than I was being paid. It was one of those situations because I'd used to work at a small studio which just didn't have the same sort of opportunities in terms of clients to be able to, like, offer high salaries. And I totally understand that. Like, I obviously am an independent designer, so, you know, I don't bring in a lot to be able to pay myself that much either. So I get it. Yeah. So I kind of, I understand that, that tweet. And I guess that's, that's comes down to where you do choose to work to a point. Cause at no point in my wanting to negotiate my salary in that situation, did I want it to sort of match the giant agencies or anything like that? Because I work for a small studio and I loved the work there and I totally understood that that was a situation. It was always within the realm of like, I work at a small studio, we work on arts clients, you know, obviously we're in Australia, so we don't get sort of like type of clientele that you get in the UK, that sort of thing. So I think it's contextual, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I I totally agree with Josie that, and uh, the the firm who tweeted it, like I completely understand their fear. I guess the the thing is that it, it works on the assumption, doesn't it, that everyone wants to leave a, like a smaller agency to go to one of the global ones and work with mm. the biggest clients. But I think you know, from not that I've ever worked in those environments, but the the people. I've spoken to who have, um, I've rarely heard that they're nice places to work. And most of the people I know who were in that environment left it after a period of time, citing burnout, just generally not liking it being, or maybe being a kind of like a small part in a giant machine. So it's, 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 I, I guess it's, it's, it all, it's always going to sting when you're a small agency and, and someone brilliant comes through and then gets, spirited away by someone that you just you just can't compete with but I guess that's natural and it's always going to happen. Mm. Kat you're going to publish your lovely uh, employees salaries and then someone could steal them very easily because they know exactly what they're earning and they could go right I'll give you 20k more than that so is that is that a risk? Yeah, it's a risk, totally and I I get it and I um, we we realize that that could be a risk in other ways we don't think that salary, which is sort of slightly a, ba- a bit of a paradox this whole conversation, but we don't think salary is everything. And I think what Alec was saying is <laughs> we do have other things that we are sort of trying to intrinsically bake into the company in terms of values and where we work or how we work or the amount of women who work with us or I don't know. So, uh, yes, you know, and that's just business. Mm-hmm. I get it. If someone, a rival agency came in and they had more money than us um, and fine. 
uh, you know, and if that if that is the motivator for that person, you fine. know, <laughs> not fine, really. No, but but like I ha- I have to accept. Fine, go. <laughs> I just I have to accept that you know I've, I've run a few businesses in, in my my life, and I you know that's just part of also the the normal ebb and flow of the business. People come and go and all that. So I'm I think that the greater mm. good still comes with that transparency, like inherently, and so if that then means that we do lose a few people who get poached because our salaries are up there like every instagram post every linkedin post we we write with a job ad has the salary on it just for all the world to see and that's just a risk Mm. we take but i think it means for us that we get people who have less ego less concern about these sorts of things just want to work for the company and that for us is also Mm. means that we're also hiring the right person for the job which you know and i just have to like take it on the chin if then they go somewhere else and I just have to accept that's part of the decision we made but yeah it's a risk but it's a risk I'm prepared to take I think so I, I would say as well Kat, you're probably objectively you're getting access to talent that other people aren't by being so transparent because mm. a lot of people when it's when it's a lot more uh you know I'm, I'm pretty sure all of us and many listeners as well a lot of time you'll look to the job description and in part because the salary isn't mentioned at all, mm. you're discouraged from even applying. Yeah, I, agree. I never get that because I'm like, it's just going to waste everyone's time if people apply for a job and you don't tell them how much the job, like the salary mm-hmm. is. Like, wouldn't it just be better for everyone if you just, if well, you go yeah. into interviews and everyone's like, cool, this is the salary, let's just like, what about you? Like, what, what, what about your work? You know, and you don't have to worry because, you know, I've been in, in situations before where it's like interview three or four and then you're expected to be the one being like, sorry, just wondering like, how much is the salary? And I had this novel agency in, in Australia, actually, yeah. funnily enough. And I was like, why is it my responsibility to do this? This is not cool. Uh, and they almost like feel a bit guilty about asking how much the job is. The whole reason why you want a, a new job is because you probably mm. want to earn a bit more money. So, yeah, I find that very odd. So benefits has been another big topic in the in the DMs, which is like salary transparency is all well and good, but I might have salary transparency in two agencies and I'm going to ignore your bonus scheme for a second cat for the purpose of this conversation um and then they kind of buff up the the salary with with lots of benefits right so I've got a message that says I know of several agencies where I'm based that attempt to offset paying crap wages with perks free snack bars flexible hours social events etc just mask the real issue of paying pathetic salaries, particularly to the younger generation. When I left one role, MD was shocked. His salary was around 105k. That I would want to give up all the free shit for more money. So I guess Josie, are you uh, would you be tempted by a free snack bar and unlimited beer on a Friday for less no, money? No, they're just they're just trying to keep me there longer. No, thank you. No, yeah. I'm going home at 5 yeah. p.m. or whatever the clock off is. Sorry, no, thank you. I mean, sure, it's nice to have that there, but pay me as well. Like, if you want to do that, do that because you're a nice company. But I would like to be paid properly as well because the reason you're paying me well is because I'm good at my job and I have certain life expenses and I'm trying to save for certain things. And, you know, that's why we work. We provide services and, you know... I, I agree. I think it should just be uh, a given anyway, uh, per, like a, a benefit. I don't think you can. It's 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 like Jason said. It's a nice to have, but the baseline salary needs to be good. And then if the culture surrounding that is great, like mm-hmm. even better. But um, yeah, it is a bit. 
I suppose it is a little bit disingenuous for, for companies to do that and hide under the, the free mm-hmm. beer on a Friday banner. I've seen quite a lot of posts on LinkedIn as well with people like slagging that off and, and I get it too. Like it's, you know. I know we, I knew that we were <laughs> going to be chatting for a long time because there's lots to get through. So I've just got a couple more questions. Um, and again, I'm going to ask that we ignore the kind of um, in extra incentives on salary, right? So let's say, uh, salary transparency, this is what you earn, this is how you're going to go up exponentially every year, no matter kind of what happens during during that year. Are we taking away the opportunity for people to learn how to negotiate? Do we actually perpetuate that there's no real discussion around salary and we kind of take the power away from employees to be part of that conversation? Can it not just be taking a break from negotiation? Like... It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to like wholesale change your life, for you, does it? Um, there's a, a company um, that have done salary transparency for a while now. Buffer, the uh, the social media scheduling tool. I'm sure we've we've all been chained to at some point or another. Um, <laughs> they found that I spoke to them for a, for a podcast a couple of years back, and they found that to go back to one of our previous points. I think that Kat made about um, certain people uh, have just got it into the in them to like negotiate and ask, and it's it usually skews towards male, not exclusively. Um, they found or that one of the real benefits of of having that kind of transparent structure was that negotiation wasn't a stress on anyone's, you know. So it's like I, I don't know. I, I don't know if we're are we a, a, a people in 2022 who are desperate to negotiate i think we're just mostly desperate for like a lie down and you know war to stop and and just yeah just like you know not live under under rule of people who are massively taking the mickey so yeah i don't i don't feel like that's something people are getting up in the morning and going oh god i hope i get to negotiate today but i I don't mean to trivialize it I, i don't know i get that i do but I do also wonder then where the sort of skill building comes in to learn about negotiating money when it comes to actually projects and things like that. So your salary may be the first time you ever learn about negotiating money. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's not negotiating a salary, do we start sort of being more transparent about project fees and talking to clients about that? So for me, you know, when I went independent, I just dove in the deep end with that sort of stuff um, and didn't really have any any skill set there. So, and maybe that's the way it is. Maybe that's just how that cookie crumbles. But um, I do think that learning to have those conversations, it is a bit of that sort of transferable skills with, with sort of learning to talk about money because it just sits in that mm. same sort of set of things. I agree. I think like with... With Alec, it, we one of our clients as well, Hotjar, do the same. They publish everything online, all their jobs, and they're just like, "This is a job here. This is if you want it, go for it." I think negotiation is like I negotiate with my kids like twenty four seven, so I'm always like I've gotten off negotiation happening in my life. But I think also if you think about it in terms of employment, how often are you going to have to use those negotiation skills? Like unless you're perennially like looking for a job like every year. The ideal, obviously, would be just to find a job and be happy in it and just be like, you know, and just feel like 
people are mm. thinking about your welfare and I, I think that negotiation equals anxiety to some degree like whenever there's that element yes of course you could get more money but like it's up to you and I, I agree I, I also think those skills are good to be fostered but I think there are enough instances where you can you know uh, learn or you know maybe go on a man management course ask your boss to like um for like some uh, a skills budget where you can train yourself in how to you know like how to be uh, more assertive at work or like um you know directorship skills or something where you don't have to then it's not completely toggled to your own life uh, experience and how much money you're going to earn and then of course you could apply those skills mm -hmm. later maybe but i agree with alec i think it's nice just yeah. to be like thank you like I'm just like, this at least is one thing I don't have to worry about. Have a lie down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, cool. We're coming up to the to the end. So I've got a couple of uh, questions, which may be a little bit provocative. And I guess I just want to hear everyone's like quick point of view. Whose intellectual property is it? So Kat, you're about to publish Salary. And a lot of people think it's up to the employer to get um, kind of approval from them. But it's our money. It's the employee's money. So what you earn, whose property is that, and who has uh, who has ownership on whether that information is shared? I think when you enter into an employment contract with your employer, it becomes uh, a, a pact of sorts, like an agreement between the both of you. And I think if that salary, if one of the main uh, points is that you're entering a job, and that is what that is as part part of the job description is that we have a transparent tiered salary system, you accept that that information is going to be public and that's and, and and therefore that the money that money pot is also just I don't know in between both of us like the employer and the employee it becomes this like mm. uh, I, just, I, I don't know so I think it's it's like people would accept that that's okay and we would accept that they would accept that that's okay and then it becomes but I realize that's not very mm. conventional and yeah, I think that's my take on it. Obviously, like it'd be interesting to speak to team members about that, but everyone knows that's the case and everyone is cool with that. And that's just maybe the sort of people who work in the agency mm. or not, I'm not sure. But yeah, it, but, but it's a really mm. good question. That is interesting. <laughs> really good. I feel like in your setup that really works because it is transparent, but I think in a non-transparent situation, it's, it's the employees because, or I just think it is anyway because that, that salary is their livelihood. It's it's what they pay, you know, their rent with, their mortgage with, their what they buy their food with, what they pay their medical bills with. It's, you know, what they're able to live off. So it determines, you know, how they can afford life. Obviously it comes into work as well, but, you know, it, it classifies, you know, where you are in, you know, working class, all of that sort of stuff. So I think that that is you know what has long been considered personal information. So yeah, I, I, I think you're both. I think you're both totally right. I think it's like in, inherently it's an individual's right. It's, it's your right. It's your it's your information. If you choose to work somewhere, who intend to make that public, you are agree. You're giving your I mean, hopefully in a, in a slightly more thoughtful manner than when we like scroll down to the bottom of uh, like iTunes or whatever the modern equipment is and say we, we agree to like the updated terms and conditions. Hopefully you're, you're <laughs> consciously aware that by virtue of working at that place, this information is going to be public. You're making that decision. Do I, you know, are you 100% on board with it? So it's the only point at which it becomes tricky in a scenario like CATS where, um, you know, the transparency, I suppose, you know, this is something newish or like at one point it wasn't. So for 
it only becomes tricky then, I think, for like existing employees where then we're transferring to this, you're either on board or you're not. And then it's maybe more of a conflict for you because you might really want to stay with the company. You might not be 100% on board with that theoretically, but you go, yeah, okay, sure. But maybe that's it's, you're in a slightly different position to being somebody external making the decision. It, it, it depends on your circumstance, doesn't it? But you definitely have, and it's absolutely yours to mm. make that decision to allow the company to share it. Got you. Final question. Would you, each of you, be willing to share what you earn? Like, would you be willing to actually be transparent about your own salary or your own day rate and your own earnings? As in, do you want a, do you want a value? Do you want us all to? Yeah. Do you want the money? <laughs> do you want the figure? That is all. That is up to you. I, I guess you can interpret the question in: Would you theoretically, and, and would you actually? I would theoretically and I would actually, and I, I'll do this cool, because I've, I'm going to publish it anyway, but um, as a creative director, uh, we're just about to put a job ad up for a creative director in London for a hundred grand. Um, and uh, even though I'm a founder, I obviously, uh, that, I'm still a creative director. That's the role I give myself. So that's it. I'm uh, like, and then, uh, yeah, hundred grand. It's kind of tax season at the moment. And this is my first full year. Um, being a sole trader, um, it is a little bit confusing for me still because obviously there's the income for, you know, my business as a sole trader and then I split that between tax and super and things, but my total sort of income across the financial year just went over a hundred K. Um, so once I sort of take out tax and things, it, it sits around, you know, the 80 K mark total business income, just over a hundred K. So there's that. I think that's an okay answer to that, I guess. It's full transparency in one way. You know, obviously not all of that is take-home income. Um, it gets knocked down a fair bit once I pay myself super, for sure. That takes out a good chunk of it. But, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that for, for my first four years as a trader. Um, I'm only one person. I'm only supporting me and two pets, so... So I've just taken a new full-time teaching job and uh, let me just open up my pay portal. Uh, that's about 40. And then uh, my kind of my in intern income is pretty minimal because majority of what comes in uh, to that business is, is reinvested so we can make new content. But I think that would work out at pretty much six a year uh so about 45 46 i wasn't you know expecting everyone to share but i appreciate that i i couldn't work out whether you wanted us to, to like give our numerical values it or was not, but, yeah. intentionally ambiguous cut very very intentionally ambiguous <laughs> <laughs> um amazing let's i'm gonna wrap up there what an amazing conversation i think i'm really sorry if you sent in a story and i didn't get to read it out uh because i i have a lot more to share so this is definitely a part one but thank you everyone for joining me um and uh yeah really appreciate it and we've hit the end of the episode i knew that was going to be a great one so all that's left to do is all that classic podcasting stuff. Wherever you're listening, hit subscribe, leave a review. 
we're thinking about season two. So why don't you tell us in a comment what you want to hear about, who you want to hear from, what you think of our brilliant soundtrack, which is by Jamie LL and Toby McLaren. A note on accessibility. To be on the podcast, you don't need to spend on travel or equipment. Anyone can join. We're also uploading everything to YouTube with closed captions. So if you need that as a way to listen to our content, you can head over there. A big thank you to Katie from Creative Boom for all of her wisdom and sharing her knowledge. And the same for James at Be Heard for helping me navigate how to get started. I'm Katie Cadwell. This is NDA. Catch ya.